Hello everybody and welcome to Brumvagoon, you will not get there with a road bike. Yes, this is gonna be, especially for episodes like this one, my intro for this year, because you will really discover new places, new worlds, and the new trails and new paths only on top of a gravel bike. That's something that I learned talking with people like the guests of myself today, of this episode today, or during the Toros de Gravel, during La Resistance, during the all bicycle event that I've been doing in this week, in this year, in this season, in this part of my life. So I'm pretty excited of that. The only thing that I really not completely agree with is actually doing gravel rides in the inner part of the city. I was participating, it was a couple of days ago, on Saturday, to the side event of the appointment of the World Cup of Cycle Cross. It was here in Bern, close to Zurich, and they organized this gravel race, let's say, um, only in the parks, in the city park of the city. By the way, Bern is an amazing city and they have an amazing park. But gravel racing into parks, into the city, no, it's not my thing. I believe that anyways, I'm pretty allergic to the word race because all the time that something like this happened, I really, I don't know, my motivation goes down. And then this time, actually, I don't know, after 17 kilometers, I decided to go to the a part I paid 1,000, nah, 1,000 is too much, but 100 francs for a race like this. And it's already, okay, it's nonsense, but that's another story. But I decided that instead of going for the 50 kilometers to go for the 20 kilometers because I was already bored and my motivation was under my feet. So, okay, go out with your gravel bike, but discover something. Otherwise, it doesn't really make sense. At least for me, I'm not a competitive guy, you know that. Before to say that, I have to say that all this event and all this part of my cycling life uh, is actually together with an amazing companion and it's my 3T Exploro that brings me in this amazing trails, amazing path that are making my life so beautiful on riding the bicycle in this period. So thanks 3T to providing me the 3T Exploro. Yes, it's time to give you my contacts. Hello at calamaro.cc, that's my email, instagram.com slash calamaro.cc or calamaro.cc on Instagram. Read calamaro on Twitter and then Facebook it's Calamaro Suisi as well. And then remember, because you have to share this episode with your friends or with whatever you want or whoever you want. It's pretty easy. You can find Broom Vagon on Spotify. Broom Vagon on Spotify. It's super easy. Same thing on Apple Podcasts. Go on the application on your iPhone. It's the podcast application on iOS and look for Broom Vagon. You're going to find the amazing logo of Pierre and or go to Spreaker, speaker.com slash listen or look for Broomwagon also there on Spreaker. Talking about logos made by my really good friend Pierre, I have to say that just today, a bit late, something like with 10 days of delay because I was supposed to bring these stickers Ops, yes, stickers. These stickers on the Toros de Gravel with me, but they arrived late, so I received them today. Anyways, I have a bunch of stickers with me. If you want one of those stickers, you need to send me an email and you need to share this episode. So first share the episode, then you can send me an email with the proof that you have done it. Or even without the proof, I'm going to send you anyways my stickers and then give me your address and I'm going to ship you the stickers, a couple of stickers and also the one with the logo Pierre Brumwegon and the one with my face, the Calamaro one. It's pretty cool and you need to have it. And then once that you have it, put on your laptop, put it, I don't know, on the climb on the passes that you have done 
and then send me a picture or share it with me. CalamaroCC is the hashtag. Let's go to the episode. Start. Stop saying and... Uh, okay, let's say that. Stop saying bullshit and stop making some advertisement around. Today, I'm gonna have an amazing character on my episode on my podcast. I'm pretty, pretty excited because I got to know her thanks to a couple of interviews around. She made a video on The Wired and also an amazing interview that actually the interview was taken by Fiola, my friend Fiola, Fiola Foley that works at Commute on the Commute uh, blog. Reading about her, it was amazing and talking with her this time, it was even more amazing. Please stick on this episode till the end because you're gonna also find a new project that she's gonna kick off and we actually ideated it during this episode. I'm talking about Lyle Wilcox, hopefully the spelling is correct, and you're gonna listen to her voice and to my interview straight away. Today I'm pretty excited, I just came back from a travel in Mallorca and I have this afternoon an amazing meeting, talk, great thing that I'm going to do right now because I'm going to interview and here is the trickiest part of my episode as usual. So spelling the names. I'm going to have a talk with Lyle Wilcox. Hi Lyle, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on the show. So you are doing great even if for sure I made a mess with the sound and the spelling of your name and surname. Tell me the truth. No, that was that was great. You know, I'll really respond to anything. Okay. Okay. Usually usually nobody gets pissed on that. But <laughs> yeah, I know that I'm making really pretty important mess on the spelling of the things. So yeah. So thanks a lot for being here. And yeah, I think that I'm pretty excited and I can say that also a bit emotional about that because it's great to have you on my Microsoft and I'm talking about one of the best characters of the endurance of our favorite sport. So the endurance part of our favorite sport, I'm talking about cycling. But better for me to introduce yourself, probably it's better for you to say some words about yourself. So I will avoid to make mess around. Oh, yeah, sure. Um, so my name's Lael. I'm from Anchorage, Alaska. And I've been riding my bike for the past 12 years or so. I really started just bike touring um, all over the world and then started racing in 2015. Um, and since then, I'm just spending as much time on my bike as I can. Um, yeah, and having a blast. Yeah. So if I can ask you, how old are you? Because you're saying that you are actually riding your bicycle now. It has been 12 years. Yeah, so I'm 32. Okay, perfect. So you started on riding the bike when you were around 20 years old. Right? Yeah. So I started just commuting to and from work. Um, and mm -hmm. then soon after that, started traveling first uh, across the US and then kind of doing trips all over the world and really just working kind of small jobs and restaurants or bike shops uh, to save money to keep traveling. Um, during one of these trips, I was actually in Israel traveling in the Middle East. And I entered a bike race there um, just because it was happening at the same time I was I was traveling through. And uh, it was a, let's see, I think 1,400 kilometer race. Um, okay. Yeah, mountain biking. And I was just using my touring setup. Um, I was the only woman. And, and I was doing really, really well um, and having so much fun and realized that I could cover these great distances um, with very little sleep and also still having a really great time. 
Yeah, okay. So um, you said that at a certain point, so you were riding the bicycle just to discover him for traveling, for commuting, and then something happened and then you start riding. Uh, which one was the trigger? Uh, so Racing, really, sorry. Oh, for racing. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was just I was touring on this route. It's the Holy Land Challenge. Um, and then I kind of riding it. I loved the terrain. Um, I was really enjoying myself. And then I realized their organized race was happening um, while I was still in the country. And I thought, well, I'm having such a great time just riding this route. I wonder what it would be like as a race. And then I started kind of dreaming, like, how much distance could I actually cover in a day? How would I compare to the other racers? Um and I really just entered just to, as a test to see, you know, how, what it would be like. And then soon into the race, really at the first day I was leading the whole race and thought, wow, there's something to this. I actually don't really get too tired. I'm still having fun riding. Um, I think I was covering something like 250 kilometers a day and, uh, and with only, you know, three or four hours of sleep. And, and then that kind of motivated me to do more with this. Um, so actually I finished the race in Israel, flew back to Alaska, my home, uh, got a new bike, a race bike. Um, and then I set out from my home in Anchorage, uh, a week later and rode to the start of the tour divide, uh, which is in Banff, Canada. So I actually went on a, let's see, um, it was like a 3000 or 3,300 kilometer tour just to get to the start of the race. Okay. Yeah. So it was kind of like a, I don't know, I just felt so excited and motivated to cover these long distances, both just as kind of challenging tours and then also uh, for racing. Okay. Okay. So do you usually make some tours or whatever that is below 1000 kilometers or, or four digits or nothing? No, no, I'll do shorter rides too. Um, Okay. You know, it's just kind of, uh, for me, I guess the motivation and the excitement is all about kind of the destination and, um, how I can get there and like how much time I have. Cause I always like it to be some kind of a challenge, um, for if I'm riding solo, if I'm riding with friends, then it can just be more of a social, social ride. But if I'm riding by myself, I look at something and say, oh, it's 500 kilometers away. I could get there in two days. And then, and then I just go for it. So you're only way to discover and to explore or to let's say um move yourself it's with the bike typically yes uh i also love um i love hiking and running as well um i've never driven so uh, i don't know how to drive um okay yeah so i'm currently on a road trip though i'm just sitting in the passenger seat and we're heading down to arizona uh i also i like flying places uh, you know, I actually, what I really like is kind of the combination. Sometimes I'll set up a tour where part of it is a ferry ride. Um, like I've ridden, uh, a tour, which was like a thousand or 1300 kilometers in Alaska to a ferry and then took a ferry to Washington state and then continued the, the ride there. Um, and that, that can kind of break it up. It's always kind of a creative way to travel. Okay. Okay. Not going to the traditional way, let's say. Yeah. Or, um, you know, if it, it's always, it's, it always feels like a problem to solve. Like, how can I get there? How much time do I have? How much of it can I ride? Um, and then through that, I get to see so many different landscapes and places, uh, which I love. 
And I know about uh, that you are trying to, let's say, fulfill a dream or actually accomplishing uh, a task, if I can put it in that way, that is to ride for the all roads, wherever, all over, right in Alaska. Are you uh -huh. still trying to accomplish that or? Yeah. So I'm mostly, I'm mostly finished with that, um, that project. And that's something I did last summer. I rode 7,000 kilometers in Alaska. Um, Alaska is a huge state. It's yeah. twice the size of Texas. I mean, it's, you know, if you match it up to the whole continent of Europe, I think it'd probably be like, I don't know, at half of Europe, maybe more. Uh, but the, the big difference there is that there are very few roads. It's like a big, wide open country with, I think, 12 major roads. And they're just long um, and straight and very mountainous as well. So it is really beautiful, diverse riding. Um, but there really aren't like any turns. There aren't any small roads. There aren't any like old villages. It's just like kind of through wilderness. Um, so my challenge was to ride these 12 roads last summer, um, which I did. And then I also found like, as I was doing this, I was just staring at the map and I would find like other isolated remote places in Alaska that had a small road system. And then, um, so I rode some of those as well, uh, places like Nome, um, and other places that are disconnected from, from the rest of the road system in Alaska. Uh, so, I completed the major roads, but there are still a couple of islands that have um, considerable roads on them, where, whether it's just for the Forest Service or logging. Uh, there are probably still like maybe a total of 800 kilometers of road um, okay. that I'd still like to ride. But they're, they're on a couple different islands. Yeah. Okay. So still more creative ways to get there and yeah, ride and then, the roads see what I see what I see along the way you know it's like I'm from Alaska I grew up there um there's kind of just so much myth around Alaska and like what the land is like and how it's being developed and what you can see um that I I was just so curious to get out there and see it um and so there's still a little bit more that I want to see it's like you you come to these remote places and then you find out like why a small town even exists if it was like a mining town a hundred years ago or if it used to be a military base or if there's like current kind of logging or other industry happening there. Um, I kind of like that, like the sense of discovery of seeing the place and seeing why it exists and then also seeing like what, what kind of nature is there? You know, a lot of these places still have like big bear populations or moose or other wild animals. Um, so it's kind of, for me, it's cool to see on the bike, the mix of that. Yeah. It sounds really magic, I would say. Yeah. And yeah, it's really, I would stay here listening to your things and that way, just something like five, six hours. <laughs> <laughs> and I really want to pick up my bicycle and come to Alaska, right? You should, you should. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's just so much open space. Yeah, uh, exactly. But the food is terrible. It's nothing like Europe. Okay, okay. So you should take with you something like a bag full of food or just, I don't know, enjoy also local food. It's always a good experience. It's part of the experience, I believe. Yeah, it's, it's part of it to kind of source it. But it's, you know, it's like when I'm talking about Alaska, then I think about why I love traveling in Europe so much too, because it's kind of the opposite. It's like, you don't really have to plan everything. Yeah. You're never far from like a small village um, with like a fresh bakery. Things grow so well. And there are all these old roads. Um, so there's so many different ways, 
so many different ways to travel or roads to ride. Um, so I, I really like the mix. Okay. So yeah, you actually anticipate my question. So I will go straight to that again. And um, on your experience, uh, which one, apart from the one that you already mentioned, are the main differences and what you like the most and what you enjoy the most and what you discover daily, the difference between riding in America, the US, North America, whatever, or South America, everywhere in the world, and riding in Europe? Because we were just talking offline before that you have been seven weeks here in Switzerland, mm-hmm. back to this year. And which difference did you feel? You know, the thing, uh, like a big thing, especially doing these bike packing races in Europe, this summer I, I raced a Navad 1000 in Switzerland and the French Divide. And something I, I really loved uh, being there was how strong the community was. Um, it's like people are really getting together and also really trying to support each other in Europe. It's maybe easier to do there because everything is so much closer together. Um, so you're never really far away from from other countries or other people, it's like, it's much easier to kind of, uh, bring the community together. Um, North America, it's so spread out. It's such a huge land and it's, uh, even the different States are so far from each other that, you know, often you won't see anybody out there. Um, whereas Europe it's when I was racing, people would come see me almost every day just to ride with me for a few miles or, um, or offer for me to come visit them or, or whatever else. So, uh, distance definitely seems different there. Uh, Europe, it's, everything feels closer together. Everything feels more accessible. Um, North America, everything in Alaska, especially everything is just so far apart. Um, and you feel that too. I, I like both. Um, I like being in wide open spaces, but then it's also so comforting to come to a place where, uh, villages are closer and people are closer and there's, you know, there are train lines to different places. And, um, so for me, it's having the mix is really great. Uh, spending some time in Europe and then some time in the U S is pretty ideal. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I like that. So you're planning to do it also next year and the year and the year after. Um... Yeah, I hope so. I hope to keep doing this as long as I can. Uh, you know, I feel really fortunate that I get to spend so much time on my bike um, you know, the more I do it, the more people are inviting me to different events around the world, uh, which is so fun too, because it's like, that's a big part of the community piece is you get in contact with people just via email or Facebook or Instagram. And then it's like, you're invited into a, a new community and world of, of biking. And, uh, it's, it's like, I feel like I've, a guide to kind of show me, you know, it's like if I had just gone to Switzerland without knowing anybody, there's no way I would have seen as many beautiful mountain passes or met as many, as many kind people. Um, so I, I think it's, it's just amazing how connected everybody's getting. Yeah, it's true. And I don't know what you think about that, but the thing that I found is actually that the community of, how can we call it something like, um, yeah, the endurance rider, the bike packers and explorer, a bike explorer, I would call them. It's pretty tight. It's mm-hmm. really like a big family. And that's the thing that made me actually fall in love with it. 
because all the times really it's a bit different i come actually from uh, my first experience in bicycle it was actually bike riding and bike traveling then after it i was into fixed gears and then in road racing and mm -hmm. things like this but nothing can be compared to the spirits that uh yeah endurance cyclist or uh bike explorer uh are building up it's mm -hmm. really great yeah it's really cool yeah, it's really amazing. Um, going back to the part of the races, just for another couple of minutes, let's say. So you mentioned the Navar one thousand, and then um, yeah, the you participated and you won the Trans AM and so many others, and you're riding and you're racing in Israel. Uh, there is one of those that you like the most something that really stays into your heart in the bottom of your heart saying okay this one was the best race because it was the best landscapes or the best people i've ridden with or just the best performance physically wise yeah i mean actually this week i um i'm going back and strongly considering racing the tour divide again uh oh. next next june and this is was really my first big bikepacking race. It was in 2015. And uh, it's a race that goes from Canada to Mexico through the Rockies, all on dirt roads. Uh, just, I think it's 53 or so mountain passes. Um, for me, this is probably the best race, uh, just because I love climbing. And that's kind of the riding uh, that I'm best at and that I like the most. And the race is, is just really long. It's something like 4,400 kilometers. Um, so I think it's the race I'm best suited to ride. Um, I'm thinking about going back. Really, my my goal is to win the overall race and also to do the best I can to try to break the, the men's record, um, which I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it'll be possible because they may be changing the course and extending it. Um, but yeah, it's a, a race that that I love. I've ridden it twice. Um, and I'm thinking about going back for it again. Um, as far as results go, my best race was winning the Trans Am, uh, in 2016. And, uh, yeah, this is a, it's a road race. Uh, it's West to East across the U S it's, uh, 7,000 kilometers about maybe a little bit less. Um, the race took me 18 days and, uh, I'm not, I wasn't really a road cyclist before. Um, I really underestimated how challenging the, the ride would be. I thought, oh, it's on the road. It's gotta be, you know, fairly easy compared to riding a mountain bike all the time. Um, and then I found quickly within like the first five days of the race that road riding is, is really hard. It's, it's hard because you have to focus so much on keeping a strong pace and, um, covering more distance. Uh, so the fact that I won that race is, is kind of mind blowing even to me because, um, I just didn't feel like I was that skilled at road riding. Uh, it really just took the determination of just trying as hard as I could every day for over two weeks, um, just to stay close to the leader. And then finally the last night I caught him, um, at like something like two or three in the morning and then um beat him to the finish we had when i caught him we had another 
130 miles to go or so. And then I just rode as hard as I could to, to finally win. But it seemed like kind of an incredible finish to be sprinting at the end of a 7,000 kilometer race, you know? Um, yeah, it was, it was pretty wild. I was, um, severely sleep deprived. I think for the final three nights of the race, I got something like six hours of sleep. Um, and this was after, you know, two weeks of sleeping only five hours a night. Um, so it was, uh, it was just a lot of mental determination, um, just to stick with it. Um, yeah, you just were mentioning that your Trans Am victory in 2016 overall. Um, what do you think is, how do you feel on that, on being actually, usually just be clear on that, even if I believe that women usually, I think, are better skilled on the endurance sport in general, but there are not so many women that are doing this thing. And especially there are not so many women actually that are on the middle of the show over there because a lot of men are there doing it or whatever. But with the victory of your um, Trans Sam in 2016, you showed to everybody that something is possible. Mm-hmm. How do you feel with that? And how do you see your role in women cycling? Yeah. After this and with the thing that they are doing. I think it was really exciting. Um, you know, it's a lot of people have said that women actually are better at it, more suited to endurance. Um, but there aren't that many competing. And then for a woman, for me to actually win the overall race was, uh, was pretty shocking to some people, exciting for, uh, for many. Um, and it is just kind of a proof in the results that it's possible. Um, and, and I think that's great. You know, I think, uh, at least, um, not so many people I'm around, but there are, are many men that think that, you know, a woman just couldn't, couldn't do this, couldn't, couldn't beat everybody, couldn't ride for this long and actually come out first. And, um, for me to actually do it, uh, it really meant a lot. It was exciting for me. And, um, it also showed that I think, you know, we're going to see more and more women competing and actually getting great results like this. Um, especially if, if they've seen me do it, that I think more people, more women will be encouraged to, to try at least. Um, and there are some other women that are having pretty incredible results. Um, the, the overall record for most miles, um, in a year is actually held by a woman now. And, uh, I think she set that last year and the number is incredible. It's something like 80,000 miles, um, which would be like what, a hundred and 30,000 kilometers in a year. Uh, that's just amazing. And she beat the previous men's record by something like 40,000 K, you know, um, there's another woman in Australia, Sarah Hammond, uh, that actually raced me in the Trans Am, but she's overall winning races in Australia. Um, so I think it's, it's cool to see this. I think it'll be good to have more of a mixed race scene, um, men competing against women. Uh, I think it's exciting for everybody to watch. Um, so I'm motivated to keep going. Yeah. And uh, also something else that we can add, it's just a news from yesterday that Jenny Graham is, I think is the name, sorry for the spelling, everybody. Mm-hmm. That's just yesterday crashed the world record of driving around the world. And she has done it with 19 days in advance. So she took 19 days faster than the previous record to make the all round of the world by riding. 
and that's actually something pretty inspiring from everybody uh, out there and all the women out there. So to take out the bicycle and just go there and ride because this is not a man-based sport, if you can call it sport, or way of living the life. It's just that everybody must do that and everybody together will really see and how enjoyable is this part of riding together and to build up a bit more the community. And I think that that's something that for sure you are pushing a lot with your riding and your events and your actions that you're taking over there. And hopefully we are going to see at least a 50-50 split on this kind of races in the close future. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Jenny's accomplishment is awesome. Um, you know, I just like to, I've never actually spoken with her and I'd like to know more of her story because she's also, uh, she's a mother. She had a child really young and then she kind of came to cycling even later in life, um, which I think will be inspiring for a lot of people to think you don't have to do everything in your youth when you think you're, you have like the easiest access to do it. It's like, if you, if you're motivated, you can really accomplish a lot. Um, so I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, I will take actually this tip. I will try to to talk with her, to contact her, and maybe she can be here in the same, exactly the same microphone as you are at the moment. And probably we can tell her story. And I will ask you for some tips for sure, for some questions to ask her. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. I'd love to hear <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah, we'll try to make it happen. Uh, let me see where we are. So we talked about this, we talked about that. Okay, uh, so before you were making actually a bit of, um, let's say, a comparison between riding on the road and riding off-road, so on trails mostly, which one is the thing that you prefer the most and which difference would you see on road riding or road racing and gravel racing or trail racing mm -hmm. riding? Uh, yeah, I definitely prefer to be on dirt or gravel um, just because it's more peaceful. Although I do love road riding too. I love to have a mix. Um, I'm hesitant to do any more road uh, endurance racing just because I, I feel like the risk is too high. Um, you know, I think a lot of people like myself after the death of my call are, are hesitant to be out there in the night, in the dark. Um, it's just, it's just too risky. I like road riding though, because it's, it's simple. Um, you don't really have to, as far as like, um, seeing in the dark, it's like you, you can just keep going kind of endlessly. There aren't really a lot of obstacles in your way. Um, but yeah, gravel definitely it's, it's away from traffic. It's more peaceful. Um, it can be more kind of fun to have different diverse surfaces. Um, so for me, it's definitely what I prefer. Yeah, also because it keeps you all really, <laughs> it's weird to say because actually I sp I spent the last six weeks crashing with my bike, but that's not the story. Oh, no. and really yeah, exactly. But it's a weird thing to say. But the thing that I can tell you is that keeps you, gravel riding keeps you on the bicycle because really you need to be 300% focus on the tarmac, on the surface, not on the tarmac, on the surface, on where you're going, on the rocks, on the tracks that you're taking, on the trails that you're riding. And really, it's something that really keeps you on the bike. While on road, ra on road riding, usually, I don't know, my mind just flow away, mm -hmm. uh, fly away, because it's there, you are really thinking about something else. It's kind of meditation. Mm -hmm. On the bike, with gravel, you are only riding the bicycle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so um, we, we talked about uh, 
the difference, but the different part of yourself cycling, you are exploring mostly. So riding around the world and whatever, and also competing. Mm-hmm. Where do you find the motivation actually? Once that you are out from the competition, to still jump on the bicycle in a random day of the day of the week and just say, okay, I will go out. I will make some hundred kilometers out there, not for racing. Yeah, I mean that's. I, I'm motivated because that's what I want to be doing almost every day. You know, it's like a, if I'm not out riding, um, I'm, I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about where I want to go. Um, what, even while I'm riding, I'm thinking about future rides. You know, it's like a, it's where I feel kind of more, most comfortable, most relaxed is just being out um, with my thoughts kind of just, I just spaced out and, um, just being outside and spending that time. Um, I don't, I don't struggle to like get out the door. It's actually what I want to be doing. You know, it's like, of course, if the weather is bad or, um, there are other challenges, this can change. But, uh, I guess then, then I'm always prioritizing, like finding the best weather, the best places to ride in the year. You know, it's like right now it's, uh, October is getting cold at most places in North America. So I'm heading to Arizona because I know it'll be nice down there for the winter. Um, so I'm always kind of uh, going to going to the good weather, the good riding, um, trying to prioritize that if I can. Yeah. Migration, like the birds. Exactly. Going where the nice weather is. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You just, whereas you were starting mentioning it and probably we can go a bit more deeper uh, into it. What actually, because you're just saying, okay, even when I'm riding, I'm already thinking about riding and reading about something next challenges or whatever. But in your opinion, what gives you on your life with kind of extra value gives on your life cycling more than anything else? I don't know, for example, cooking or painting or playing music. Yeah, uh, I guess it's on the bike. It's like you really feel the terrain and the weather and um, the pace is good for me. It's like going place to place, especially traveling to new places. It's like you, you kind of see all, uh, sides of the culture and of the land and how these two kind of interact. Um, you know, it's like riding through Mexico. It's like you, you see, or riding through Baja. I've, I worked on developing a, um, like a 3000 kilometer mountain bike route down the Baja Peninsula in Mexico. And it's like along the way you see like that, the ancient or the the older culture of um, of the Spanish uh, Spanish missions, and then you see how people are still cultivating the land or ranching, and you see um, even just the kind of the uglier sides of the culture, like uh, where they put their garbage or how how they build up their towns, or you know. Um, how that relates to the space they have. And then you pass these villages and then you're out in the middle of the desert. And then every single day, it's like the different, the plants change. Um, and, and I, I love seeing that. I love seeing kind of the change in that. I feel like on your bike, you get to see kind of the whole picture. So which one are the plans for next, let's say future for the future. So you said already that you're planning to ride again, the tour divide. But what about anything else? Next exploration, next country to visit? Yeah. Um, uh, well, I know for now. So I'm heading down to Arizona. I'll probably spend some time riding there and in Mexico this winter. Uh, I run a girls program in Anchorage, my home, um, every April and May. And it's 
actually getting 12 and 13 year old girls um, into riding and uh, working towards like a hundred kilometer adventure ride, uh, which is really fun thing to do. Uh, Specialized donates all the bicycles for the program. And then the girls get to keep their bikes at the end. um, And they're set up to do their own rides. Actually, one of them that was in the program two years ago went and did her own uh, 1500 kilometer uh, adventure ride in Alaska this summer, um, which is amazing. She's 14 years old. She, she uh, started with this program with her her classmates um, where she'd never ridden more than, I don't know, 15 kilometers. And then she set out and uh, did this massive adventure ride. Um, So that's something I do. And, something that also inspires me just to see, you know, younger women, um, getting into the sport. And, uh, it kind of, you know, I do it because I wish that I had had that kind of opportunity when I was young. Um, so I'll do that again in April and May. Um, before that I'm guiding. So I actually take people, um, on endurance camps in Arizona as, as part of my job. Um, so they ride, uh, between 100 and 150 kilometers a day um, in southern Arizona. So I'll be doing that uh, February and March. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I definitely want to do some kind of adventure ride to the start of the Tour Divide. So I think I'll probably have a couple weeks, end of May, early June, um, to do like a, a big tour kind of warm-up ride and then uh, be there for the start of the race. Um so that's kind of what I'm looking at until July. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, and then we'll see. You know, it's like, and then um, I might actually go back to Israel next October. Um, they changed the date of the Holy Land Challenge race. So I'm thinking about going back. Um, my friend that organizes the Navad in Switzerland wants to come do this race as well. Um, so I might go to visit him. Um, in Europe first and then go out to Israel. Um, you know, so it's like, uh, doing some riding in, in the U S and then getting to go over to Europe and then maybe the middle East. Um, and I think, you know, for me, that'd be like the best possible summer I could have. Yeah, exactly. And maybe moving directly from Europe to Israel and start the ride. Exactly. Right. Right at the right season when the weather's just perfect in both places. Okay, exactly. (laughs) It's kind of, I don't know, a homemade transcontinental race. Yeah. Oh, that'd be amazing. That, I mean, actually just to ride from, from, uh, from Europe to Israel would be just incredible. Yeah, I would say so. Also because we are starting from Northern Europe and then coming down and really enjoying the Mediterranean parts of Europe. Oh my gosh, what a great idea. I hadn't even thought of that, but I love it. Ah, no worries. Ready down and doing it just for myself. Seeing yourself doing that thing is already a great achievement. Oh my gosh, <laughs> it's just start so planning cool. it. Yeah, I'm starting to plan. I'm looking. I'm looking at the map right now. I'm like, how far is that? You know, it's like this is so cool. Uh, or looks like it's about four thousand k. Four thousand k, doable for you. Doable, and it puts me through like. Oh my gosh, this would just be incredible. Okay, just here we are planning, just really, this is real life podcasting. <laughs> yeah. uh, from where did you start? Did you start your planning? So which one part I of Europe? started my planning from Zurich. Okay. And then uh, to Tel Aviv. Perfect. And then I'm like, well, what would that put me through? And it's like through um, 
gosh, right on the border to Bosnia from through Croatia, Serbia, Bulgaria, through Turkey. Um, oh my gosh, it would just be so cool. You know, and then I would say that it's a perfect thing, yeah. No, because I'm saying <laughs> I was thinking about where it could be something like I don't know, some dangerous corner over there, but I believe it's completely fine. Yeah. And then it's like the this is exactly how it starts. So then I'm like putting in destinations and then I'm looking at the map thinking, Oh, but if I changed it like and went through Italy, then I could be taking ferries and kind of going through Greece instead. And um, you know, there are just like so many ways to kind of look at this. Uh, yeah, I can tell you, for example, so uh, I live in Zurich, but I come from the south of Italy. And my first bicycle trip that I've done, it was through Albania and Greece. And I started taking the ferry from Bari in the south of Italy. Mm-hmm. I can tell you that that part from Albania, Greece and going down is an amazing place to mm-hmm. be, especially if you go in the inner road, because there are some military road, all gravel, really really nice climb because they're really if you pace them they're really good i believe that yeah you would enjoy that one yeah oh yeah i yeah i've done actually i did a um some riding in albania and then there's a a really nice route um the greek odyssey through kind of northern greece um and you know this is the best people are like putting up routes as sharing them for races or for whatever else but then you happen upon like a, a great touring route um yeah, I, I don't know. Then now I'm now I'm really excited about this, and it's like, you know, a year away probably. But I'm like, oh, and then what would be the best time of year to do this? Maybe like August and September, and then end up in in uh, Israel in October. Uh, I don't know. It's just like yeah, because October is the race, right? The Holy Land exactly. challenge. October's the race, um, but then it's also like I don't really want to be in the high mountains you know, in October. So maybe I just go through, try to go through in September. Yeah, this would be great. Yeah. Well, keep, keep us posted. Keep me posted. <laughs> I will. Thanks for the great idea. <laughs> I, I really like this, how this kind of thing happens, you know. Serendipity is the name of this thing. So just good. go into things about while talking about something else. Exactly. Oh, this would be great. Oh, well, cool. Uh, I just want you to uh, tell me again, because then I will also put it in the description below and also our listeners will uh, remember that, the program that you were mentioning that you are going to do in Mexico or about yeah, girls giving the bicycle and let's say introduce them on endurance riding. Yeah, so that program is actually in, in Anchorage, Alaska and it's called Anchorage Hi, Grit. Um yeah, I kind of got mixed up because I was talking about a route in Mexico, uh, but I do the girls program um, in my hometown in Anchorage. Okay, so Anchorage, you said? Mm-hmm. And the program is called GRIT, G-R-I-T, and it's Girls Riding Into Tomorrow is what it stands for. Okay, okay, great. Okay, I will put uh, I will put everything down in the, in the description so people will... Also have a look on something that is still into bicycle stuff, but also on the side, on the other side of the, this kind of trying to um, share the voice of cycling around. And then once that we have it, just share with us the travel that you want to do from Zurich to Israel. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm still just looking at this map. I'm like, oh, how would that okay. part Are you in Google Maps or? Yeah, I'm just in Google Maps on my phone. I'm like, okay. Hmm. <laughs> 
so you know, cool. it's just so amazing because I, I really like this too, because I like doing some planning, but I also like not doing too much planning because then you just, uh, you kind of walk into a situation and everything's new. You know, it's like, I don't know the history of Turkey, but I would love to ride through there and just like, just start learning about it. Um, and seeing it as I'm coming in and it's like, you look at things and then try to kind of understand why they are the way they are, you know? And it's like, uh, there's nothing like just biking through it and just starting to get ideas, starting to talk with people and then getting to see it for yourself. Yeah. It's completely true. Before I was listening to a bicycle moving, how many bicycles are you bringing with you down? Oh yeah. Um, so I have two bikes. Uh, I have a mountain bike and a gravel bike. And then uh, Rue that I'm traveling with also has two bikes. She has a road bike and a mountain bike. Uh, and that's it. We're, we're going down. This is like bringing up, bringing all we have in, in her car. And that's, and then I guess we'll set up camp, um, which would be fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Can we follow your rides somewhere? Something like, I don't know, Strava or. You know, I, I, I've never really been good about recording them. Um, I've started doing more like planning and recording with Komoot. Um, I really love this app. It's like you just put in destinations and then you can, it'll make you kind of perspective, perspective routes for mountain biking or touring. Um, it works great in Europe, especially because it's all, uh, from kind of open source user-based mapping. Um, especially if I'm on like a shorter ride, like I flew in to, um, Gosh, what was the airport? The Nuremberg Airport in Germany. And then I had to like ride 50K to an event. And um, straight from the airport, it put me on all these great gravel roads. And uh, it was just beautiful. So that's what I've been using more. And I've been putting up some of my own routes um, on that as well. Um, but yeah, otherwise, I've, I've never really used Strava. Uh, but I would like, to, I would like to, to know actually how much I'm riding. You know, it's like I... I haven't actually recorded it. It's just like I'm just out there. Yeah, you just know roughly that you are doing something like 30,000 kilometers a year. That's what I've read around. Yeah, uh, <laughs> so. <laughs> which is which is great. Um, yeah, it's like I can I can roughly add it up. I'm like, oh, this ride to Banff was 3,000 kilometers. The Tour Divide race was 4,400. So it's like I just know from like those numbers. But then it's like I don't actually know the exact number. So, yeah, I would say that we are walking or riding till the end. Do you want to add something, Lyle? Uh, no, I, I think that's, that's it. I'm, you know, I'm just, uh, I have, I'm not making any real long plans, um, but I think that makes it more fun. You know, it's like I don't know what I'll be doing in, you know, six months from now, but it'll probably be something new and different, and, and that's what keeps me kind of motivated and excited. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I can see, I can see the point. Sorry, I am a bit distracted because I'm watching as well the route from uh, Zurich to yeah, exactly. <laughs> to Tel Aviv. <laughs> I, I really hypnotized to that. I was trying to understand the best solutions to go here and to go there. I know, and you're already at the starting point. You know, you could actually yeah, just exactly. go ride this route and then you could send me the best version. Yeah, let's say, let's say this would be a good, I can just start with one maybe and then telling you, okay, this okay, this not. Or probably I can just join you for a few hundred kilometers. This would be another good solution, but you're too fast for me. No, that sounds like a great idea. Yeah, yeah, I would be in for that. Yeah, that's great. Okay, well, Especially I'll, if it's September. I'll let you September. know when the plan comes together. 
Amazing. Let me know. And uh, unless you're not telling me, I'm not going to share to everybody. So sorry, people out there. Nothing <laughs> for you. <laughs> cool. Okay. Uh, so thanks a lot for taking your time and uh, speaking with me and with everybody out there about your amazing experience and your future plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks for um, having me. And thanks for the new idea. This, no worries. No worries. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We will try to actually. I hope that you will put everything together, and I will try to join you for a bit, just because we actually raised this idea. Actually, this idea popped up during our conversation. I feel a bit responsible for that. Yeah, yeah, you are. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot, Ben, and uh, okay. yeah, I'll talk to you soon. Okay, great talking with you. Bye. Bye. Cool people. If you heard about this thing and you're excited as I am please push Lyle on doing this thing. From Zurich to Tel Aviv on the bike just before the race. How is the name? The Holy... Uh, the Holy Land. I have it written over here. Sorry, I made the interview three days ago. I don't remember anything. Holy Land MTB Challenge. And yeah, and then, yeah, I don't want, I'm super excited and super happy when people start new projects just listening to my bullshit. That's great. This means that they are not all bullshit, the thing that I'm saying all the times. Um, but they are also bullshit that you can live and see around just by social media, instagram.com slash calamarocc or calamarocc on Instagram, read calamaro on Twitter, twitter.com slash read calamaro, facebook.com calamarocc, and then these episodes are hosted on Apple Podcasts, Broomwagon, Spotify, Broomwagon, Spreaker.com slash Listen Calamaro or Broomwagon on Spreaker.com. Thanks to 3T for giving me the joy of writing the 3T Explorer and thanks to you to listening to my, uh, to my voice. Also this time, share it, share it, share it and talk to you next week. <laughs> <laughs>